one story that leads to Jesus is our Bible plan for the year. I don't know about you, but our worship at the moment and heading into the pointy end of the year, uh, we're coming to the culmination of that Bible reading plan at the end of November. So it's only about six weeks away, I think. The whole point of that Bible plan, the whole point of this focus of this year has been to get to some of the sentiment of those two songs that we've melded together this morning. There's one name, Jesus. I'm going to tell you that the days ahead are interesting. Jesus himself said that the world is going to hate you because of me. And we've got a few things going on in the community at the moment that I'd say are indicative that the, the tide is, is changing for those of us that are Christ followers in this country. And uh, I would want to say to you one thing about that. Do not despair. It might get ugly. You might get dragged in front of people that hate you. You might be accused of things that are not true about you and your character and what you stand for. But Jesus was nailed to a cross for exactly those things. He told it like it was. We're going to talk about him a little bit this, later on this morning in this message. But I want to pray for you. If you've come to church this morning wondering what it's all about, I'm going to tell you what it's all about this morning. It's pretty simple. So I just want you to, uh, just where you are, just try to relax. Take a deep breath. Physically. Just let it out. And again, just a big deep breath. Let it out. You know, there's things we can do physically that relax us. And so, Lord, right now I pray that we would understand what we need to do to spiritually, spiritually relax. Not to go to sleep, not to keep them lazy, but, Lord, to actually be in a place where we actually feel the healing balm of your presence, the comfort and the strength of your voice. We get refreshed and renewed in our understanding of the power of the, the name of Jesus. Lord, the Christian faith around the world is statistically the most persecuted faith on the planet. Christians are executed, excluded, vilified, hated around the world more than any other faith. Why is that? Because we've just sung the name Jesus. It's because of Him. His kingdom is not of this world. His ways are not of this world. And I pray, Lord, for every one of us today that we would find ourselves grabbing onto the strength of His name, the strength of who He is, the strength of the kingdom. And Lord, that we look forward to the days ahead, not because... We want them to be tough, but Lord, because we know the name of Jesus, eventually we'll see every knee bow. And so, Lord, we're grateful to be here. Pray that you would cement us together today as your people in the Adelaide Hills, at Parkside, Henley Beach. We're grateful, Lord, for our family of fellowship. So bless every person who's gathered. Bless every person who's joined us online this morning. May they feel the warmth of your spirit, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Tap your name and say it's all good and grab a seat. Thank you, team.
Fantastic. Well, the topic this morning is a question. What matters to God? And I want Lockie to put my background picture up this morning so we can just get on focus here. That was on a hotel room that we stayed in at Coffs Harbour a few years ago. And a little caption I think I put on Facebook was, whoever put that on, they only had one job. I don't know what they were thinking, but I guess they were looking for new screw holes to put something in and that's what they did. They only had one job. I want to say to you this morning, as a pastor of some tenure, been doing this for a long time, I've only got one job. There's only one thing that matters to me this morning, or it matters to me all the time. But it's so easy with the hustle and bustle of life to lose sight of, I'll leave that up there for the whole sermon, please. You only got one thing to do. But we get caught up doing stuff, thinking that all the stuff we do is important. And some of it is. Some of it's to do with caring for other people. Some of it's to do with just being a nice, civilised person living in a civilised country. And so we have compassion and we have love and we have care. And we... But at the end of the day, those things are all supposed to be the result of something else. And so we come to this place where in the Bible reading plan, Paul is addressing a number of matters that are beginning to pop up in these relatively new churches that he started around what is basically... Um, modern-day Turkey and Greece, particularly. And so he's realised, and I don't know about you, but if I got up here and said, you foolish C3AH peoples, who's bewitched you? He wrote that, but just imagine he was actually at the front of his church looking at them and saying, you fools. Not very pastoral. <laughs> you idiots. It's like... Ooh, that's not very nice to come from the pulpit. Well, it came from a letter that he wrote to a church that he loved. Because, and he was so, the tone of that letter is so severe because he's so distressed the fact that they've lost sight of the one thing. They've started doing a whole bunch of other things that may or may not be important. And his view is none of them are important when they're put into the context of comparing them with this issue. And that is the issue of faith. There's one thing I've got to do this morning and one thing that every message we preach in this church, I hope, puts in front of anybody who's listening, either present on a Sunday morning in our auditorium or listening online, is the invitation to believe. The opportunity to put trust in God. The opportunity to exercise faith and it's an interesting dilemma because we've been given intelligence we live in a country that's got a lot of resources we've got incredibly high levels of education people who know stuff we've got people with incredibly diverse skills sitting in this building this morning and so we can solve problems we can sort things out. We've got people who are trained in psychology and psychiatry and counselling and in all sorts of fields of mental well-being that are able to help us to get on with the job of living life well 
And those things are all good. They're not evil at all. They're really neat parts of what makes being humans together important. Paul is, however, saying in his context, without all those professions, but there were other things that were really important in the community, in the Galatian church, in the Corinthian church, in the Ephesian church, in the Philippian church. There was cultural context just like we've got. And he's addressing the issue that in the midst of all that cultural context, it's so, so, so easy and extremely deceptive within the human heart to lose sight of the one thing. The most important thing is faith. The most important thing is the name Jesus and faith in that name. Faith that Jesus can change things. I'm not going to get you to stand up or put your hand up, but I want you to think, if you've got a a challenge at the moment in your life, something that's kind of just bugging you, maybe something keeping you awake at night, some deal you're thinking, oh, I can solve that. I've I've, uh, I've realised that I'm no longer 30 or 40, just, just in case you're wondering. I know. And uh, m- my family, I think, are approaching the, the period of time in my life where I'm going to be banned from climbing ladders. I fell off a ladder during the week, only the second rung, and uh, I was pretty filthy with myself because it hurt like heck. But more than the hurt, the pain of physically was nothing compared to the pain mentally. Because <laughs> I was really filthy with myself. I'm like, what kind of a you dild... I was going uh, no, to say. What kind of a nitwit falls off a ladder, honestly? Well, I have done it a few times in my life. And I've realised that I actually physically cannot do what I used to do. And it's like, hmm, okay, so... Why am I sharing that little story? Because there's, there's things that we think we can do that we probably can't do. And there's things that we think we can do that we shouldn't do, climb ladders, but put trust in God. You go, well, God's not going to fix the hole in the ceiling that you're fixing standing on the ladder. No, but maybe there's a little more faith to be approaching someone else to do it. See? Or paying someone else to do it. Or doing something just more sensible than climbing the ladder. <laughs> My point is that we, we are able to resolve lots of issues. And that's part of the joy of being a human and part of the joy of having good health and the resources to do it. But the big question is, should I? Should I be doing that? Should I be wondering about this or worried about that? And I think the Bible's pretty clear. No, I shouldn't be. So what's my alternative? It's faith. It's faith in God. Faith in God providing whatever it is that I might need. So in this story in the Galatians uh, era, the Jews that are in this church at that time were of the view that God was only approachable by keeping the law. In other words, what we do. So it might be that we figure like, well, we're supposed to be tithers in our context or givers or serving on a team at church or just being nice to the person at the service station or um, a whole bunch of other things that we'd qualify as qualities that reflect Christian character. And again, I want to say nothing wrong with all of that until we begin to believe that I can do those things 
and not exercise faith and God's impressed. And I want to say to you, he's not impressed. He's not looking at me and my works. He's looking at me and looking for Jesus in me. It's Jesus in me that puts a smile on his face, not Bruce fixing a hole in the roof or Bruce being kind or Bruce picking up the phone to call somebody because he's the pastor and he's ringing up to see how they're going. Those are things that I have to do and want to do and love to do. Those are my world. What it is in your world that you do day by day that you could possibly be incrementally deceived into thinking, that's what I do to please God. That's what I do to impress God. God's got to be happy with that. I've been generous this week. I was really kind to that person that was a douchebag on the road. I didn't return favour with the hand signals. It's like God's got to be happy that I self-control came in finally. It's like, no, he's not. He's not looking at that stuff and going, well done, well done, mate. He's looking at me and seeing his, where's my son? Oh, there he is. That's what we need. Jesus. How do we get Jesus into the mix? Faith. It's belief. I believe in Jesus. He is the starter of things. He is the one, and I'll read it later on, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the, the start, not the one that we're trying to get to. We get to him first, and then we do all the other stuff. And it's deceptive because we can do all the other stuff before we believe. And so we just think, well, let's keep on doing all that. Now that I'm a Christ follower, I'll just keep doing all those nice things. I'm a helpful person. I've got a career in helping or whatever it might be. And that's, again, it's, that's a wonderful thing. But it's a deceptive thing when it comes to working out what matters to God. What matters to God is not being in church on a Sunday morning. Funny thing to say that. Let me say this very carefully. It doesn't matter to God that you're here this morning unless you're here because of faith. Okay, faith first. It's faith in God first. And then it does matter that you're here, but not, you're not here because you have to. Once the faith component of the decision is in place, once the faith has been activated, I don't, you, I don't think about, oh, I've got to go to church today. I just get out of bed and come to church because of Faith, or you could say, well, it's because you're in a habit. You come because you're the pastor. It's like you could put all kinds of rationale around it, but I want to say as an example for me, it's not a decision that I wonder if I'm going to do anymore. It's something that's just who I am and what I do, and it comes because faith comes first. And I want to ask you in your life, does faith come first? I was thinking before, I don't want you to stand up again, but there's many, numerous business owners in our church sitting amongst us this morning. And running a business is not for the faint-hearted. You've got to do what you do, do it well enough for somebody to actually pay you to do what you do. And if you don't do it well enough, they don't come back. So then you've got to find some other sucker. (laughs) Just being naughty. You've got to find some other person who's prepared to enlist your help and pay you for it. I read this out a long time ago. I was in a business 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, and realised that naively when I was younger, maybe you can make a living out of a hobby. But the problem is that when you are doing a hobby, something you like, 
you're generally not focused on making a living out of it. And so you take a long time to do it, and it doesn't matter if you make mistakes, but then you decide, maybe someone will buy that thing if I do that, or pay me to do it. And you realise that taking six hours to do something that a trained person can do in 20 minutes, you can't charge the client for six hours of time. It's like you can only charge them for 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, you've wasted five hours and 40 minutes being an amateur. Hear what I'm saying? It's kind of like faith. If you're a business owner here this morning, I, I'm going to pray for you at the end of the service, but and remind me if I forget to. Because I want you to actually be challenged this morning to put faith first. How much time do you spend praying for your business? Praying that God will bless you, that God will guide and bring clients in. How much time do we spend together praying in our church together that God would fill this place? It's overflowing. I was reading a story on Facebook this morning of a guy that I think I know, I'm not sure where from, but he's a friend on Facebook, and he was paying tribute to a, a colleague, a friend, a mentor who had died, in, I think in Sydney this week, and thought that this guy had, when he first met him, he, this young guy had first become a Christian, he wanted to go into real estate, and uh, he didn't really know what he was doing, and this older guy at church said, well, faith first, basically, let's pray. So he met with this young man six days a week at 4am for eight weeks and prayed for two hours with him. Wow. Taught him how to pray. That young man's testimony was he sold $70 million worth of real estate in his first year. Wow. And his testimony was, that was not about my skill as a salesperson. That was about those eight weeks in the prayer closet with a guy that took the time to teach me how to pray. Faith first. If you've got a problem at the moment in your life, maybe you're a little concerned about interest rates going up, maybe you're in a financial squeeze at the moment, there's, again there's all sorts of things you can do to try to either alleviate that, rearrange your world, that's all part and parcel of just being a good steward of your resources. But don't let that give way to or cause you to put aside faith. Go to God. Get on your knees if it's phys physically, figuratively. Pray. Talk to God. Is it the first thing that enters my head when things go pear-shaped? Pretty much at this stage of life, I'd say, yep, I pray, we pray. My lovely wife, Julie, is probably faster off the blocks than I am about praying. If something's seriously gone pear-shaped in our world, um, she would be leaping to the prayer closet, which is just the way she is. Um, you need to find someone to pray with. If you're not married, um, find somebody that you know is a brother or a sister in Christ that you can pray with on a regular basis. Prayer works. Faith. Say faith. faith. Say this after me. I am, I am. a person of, faith. person of faith. Can you say that again honestly out of the heart of hearts? Just put attitude into I am, I am. a person of, faith. person of faith. I reckon if we can live there, we can change the world. We can change our family. I speak the name. I love that song. I speak Jesus. Uh, that cropped up on my radar. I don't know how long ago, Emily, was it? I don't know, eight weeks ago, a few months ago? Fly. I remember, I think I told you this, when I drove across the Hay Plain by myself, um, I don't know, six weeks ago or whatever, and I've got my favourite tr tracks of 
jazz <laughs> instrumental music. And I started off and I'm thinking, yeah, I really love my music. I'm on my own. Julie puts up with it. Um, and I'm in the car by myself. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, why don't you put on I Speak Jesus? Hmm, okay. So told Siri to change track and away we went. And I'm driving down the road, just kind of heading towards Murray Bridge on the way, so early up in this drive and started singing, I speak Jesus over my family and I started bawling my eyes out, started crying, weeping for members of my family and extended family who have lost their way. They're no longer reaching out to Jesus. Are they successful people? Yes. Are they wealthy? Some of them, yes. Are their lives in good shape? Some of them, yes. Some of them, no. Are they doing okay? Yeah, mainly. But are they lost? Totally. They don't know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Really? That's not an accusative question. It is like, do you know Jesus? In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of the things that freak you out the most, do I speak Jesus? Speak Jesus over. Fear and anxiety. I speak Jesus. That's what Paul is saying to these Galatians. They decided that if you're a male and you want to be a Christ follower, you had to cut the end of your pecker off. It's called circumcision. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, in the 21st century, I'm thinking they didn't have stainless steel surgical knives back in that day. Just what exactly went on there? Any guy starting to squirm in their seat? It's like, holy moly, but that, that's, that was the insistence. Yeah, Spencer's just, Spencer's leaving the room. Mum's got into protective mode. Uh, that was good timing there, Anna. Very good. Couldn't have paid for that segue, could we? Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew 5, 17. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfil them. So Jesus, figuratively, spiritually, uh, figurative is the wrong word, in another another kingdom fulfils the law. There is no need to be physically circumcised. There's no need to have anything done to you. There's no need to do anything to try and get God to take notice of you except to believe and walk in faith. Walk by faith. That's the, that's the invitation. I hope this is helping somebody. It's going to help me because I'm giving myself a hit, hit in the head. So Jesus was into relationship first, which granted acceptance by God. In other words, if we get Jesus, you get accepted by God. Whilst the Jews were into tasks and actions, keeping the law, first, hoping to gain acceptance. They believed that they were accepted by God by keeping the law. But they were in serious trouble before um, they killed Jesus because they didn't believe him or in him. Their problem is they don't believe. Some of us, that's our problem, we don't believe. You've got friends who don't believe. You might be working with someone who's very, very hostile to you about your faith. Either they're passive aggressive or they ignore you or they just make throwaway lines. I don't know. I'm, I remember as a school kid, I was a Christian family kid, brought up into church every week as a child. And I remember getting a fair bit of flack at high school for being a goody two shoes 
Christian, churchy. It's like, what sort of flack have you ever got? Well, be happy. Paul says, man, take it on the chin and go, woohoo, I'm worthy to be slapped around because of the name Jesus. I still have trouble finding that's a good thing, but it's, it, it, at the time, it's not good. So um, believing by faith is the only thing that matters to God. I want to say that again, the only thing that matters to God, the only thing that presses, impresses God about you and me is that we believe. We're sitting here this morning, I hope, because we believe. If you're listening online, I'm hoping that you're being challenged if you don't believe that you can believe. How do I do that? How do I believe? It's a decision. It's as simple as that. It's a decision. I am going to believe. I am going to trust God. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ, the name above every name. Does it make sense? No. Can I explain it in in an analytical sense? No. All I can do is put it before you that it is worth trying to believe and starting out on the journey of believing. And so Hebrews 11 verse 6 just paints it very clearly. There's nothing we can do. Without faith, it is impossible. Say impossible. If you want to get a a proof text that all of your best efforts on your best day do diddly squat to impress God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith. Faith first. Say faith first. So the Galatian church had been led astray and away from faith alone. So I'll just read to you Galatians 3, verses 1 through 6. You foolish Galatians. I still go, that's a pretty powerful pastoral letter. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Man, listen to his tone. He is really quite ticked off. Why? Because... It's such an important matter. It's such an important matter to the person sitting alongside you here this morning that they, that you, that we live by faith. Like our whole future is at stake. The church's existence is at stake if we lose our way with faith. And if we lose our way, praise God, God's got lots of people who over the centuries have not lost their way and we'll continue to have people. We can lose sight of that. We can go, well, it's, you know, the church is this and that, and it's in decline, and it's like, what's going to happen? It's like, what needs to happen is stand up by faith. Trust God. Just get a new, okay, we're going to trust God. Is it bleak? Maybe. Are the times tough? Yeah, they really are tough. What's in front of us? Who knows? We've got a mad person like Vladimir Putin with access to nuclear weapons. We've got, who knows what could happen in the days ahead, but I know this, God is still God. Jesus is coming back one day and whether a nuclear holocaust is the, is the mechanism by which he comes back, I don't know. Probably not, but whatever, faith. You can be sitting there this morning confident in faith that God's got this. God's got your life. He's got every dimension of it. Your family can be blessed. Things can work out well in the middle of difficulty. God is a God who blesses those, not who work harder, not those who try harder, but those who live by faith. I hope I'm harping on the right thing here this morning. Is anybody getting a happy smile on the inside or are you getting, are you getting dirty about this? Come on. Um, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? And you've got that again. 
After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I say and ask you, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? What you believe here this morning about your future, about God's love for you, about God's intentions for us as his people is absolutely supremely important to me. I'm hoping that something I have said this morning has stirred you to think again, what do I believe? Do I believe God? Do I believe in God? Do I put my trust in Jesus Christ, his son? Is that name, for me, the name above every name? Whether it is for me or not, so regardless, it is the name above every name. But that doesn't mean anything to you or me until we believe. Once we do, things change big time. So why don't we stand to our feet? Get the music team back up again. We might sing, I speak Jesus. What were we going to sing with at the end? That'll do? We're on the same page, Emily. I like that. Galatians 3, going on down through verse 10 through 14. For all who rely on the works of the law, just read that as the things we do. If you're relying on feeling worthy, your self-worth rests in what you do. Your job, your caring, your kindness, your generosity. Those things are all really valuable as part of who you or I am. But we can't let those things be used as an area of deception about our acceptability to God. So Paul continues to be brutal in this chapter. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole, which is a description of him on the cross. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's you and me, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. (coughs) Excuse me. So what about us? Are we still living by a hope of acceptance if we do the right thing? I'm asking you you that question this morning. When you think about it, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What sorts of things stir up your heart? I was having a bit of a chat last night to Dean Pittman about matters global and international that stir my heart up, get me a little bit twitchy, angsty, sometimes just plain narky, sometimes completely just cynical and sarcastic. 
I've got to be careful I don't let those things lead me down the dead end street of death. The wages of sin, which is to not believe, is death. Every street you or I walk down, not by faith, leads to one place. And death, I don't mean physical death necessarily. Death in the biblical sense is absolute separation from God. By faith, <coughs> you and I connect with God. So I invite you as an opportunity to respond to God this morning to sing this song again with the team. I speak Jesus. I want you to think of something that you know you have been messing with, dabbling in, playing around with, that you in your heart of hearts, you might have confided this with anybody and it doesn't matter if you have or haven't, but it might be an area of your life where you kind of still think, oh, if I just lift my game a bit there, God's going to be happy with me. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're still trying <coughs> to impress God, let this song let you speak His name over that situation. And I'll come back at the end of the song. So you might be wondering, how, how do I get faith? How, how do I enlarge my faith? How, how does faith grow in me? And I want to say to you that part of what we just did is one of the mechanisms that our faith can grow through. And that is standing alongside somebody in church who is singing with you great words like that. I speak Jesus over fear and anxiety, over the darkness of depression. I shout Jesus. There's something about community. We have connect groups in our church because we believe in fellowship. We believe in friendship. We believe in relationship. We believe in doing life together. But I want to say to you, those things are all wonderful, and but they're supplementary benefits to the reason we come together is for iron to sharpen iron, to faith in one, to be imparted into and become faith in another. I hope that when you and I talk together about different things, part of the mechanism or the fruit of our conversation would be faith arising. You know the guys on the road to Emmaus? Were our hearts not warmed as Jesus spoke? He spoke to them and faith began to rise up inside of them. So when we speak encouraging words, when we are kind, when we reach out with His love, we need to be understanding what we're doing. Yes, we are helping a person, but that to me has got to be in second place. What I'm really hoping is that faith is rising up in their heart, that God is good, God's listening to my prayers, God is real, His love is tangible. So if you know that the priority in your life this morning, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but I'm going to pray with you in a moment. If you know that the priorities in your life is things first, faith second, and not a conscious choice, I'm just going to do that. And it's like, I'm, I'm thinking just big picture. Does it need to be just this morning? Kicking the pants from Pastor Bruce. You go, 
Let's put faith back in first place. Let's put faith in God first and let everything else that I do flow out of that. Just want you to close your eyes. I want to pray for you about that. If you need to rearrange those priorities this morning, be confident that this prayer can be, will be answered. So in the name of Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we're standing in your presence, Heavenly Father. Right now, serious about doing the business of being saints who walk by faith. Both here in the auditorium and online right now, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I prophesy over every life. We will be those who walk by faith. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we interact with, every person, circumstance we come across going forward will be viewed through the lens of faith because you have broken into our world afresh this morning. Come Holy Spirit, pour your presence into every one of us. Pour your anointing afresh that we would indeed be able to say with hand on heart, I walk by faith. And Lord, that we would see miracles, we would see provision, we would see breakthroughs. Lord, we'd see courage and boldness come on us like never before. We speak life into our church. Father, we prophesy growth. We prophesy souls, people getting saved. Father, we speak into the Adelaide Hills. Enough is enough. Broken lives, people despairing, people taking their lives, people being depressed and anxious about stuff. We cry out the name Jesus. We speak Jesus. Lord, I speak His name into every one of us here this morning. As we go out into what we do during the week when we're not here, Lord, that the name of Jesus would be coming out of the pores of our skin, not because we Bible bash people, not because we're lecturing them, but Lord, because we walk by faith. Come on, church, give the Lord an offering of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord.